White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made them 100 years ago with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 Welcome back to another week of the Razball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Lifshitz. I'm here with Lance. He's live from hey, Chicago. Hey. I'm here on the East Coast. We're now expanding. We have to find a way to get somebody like a third person from the West Coast on the show just so that we, we can be like, in you know, just touch points all throughout the country all at once, just like sync, coming together. But then again, I don't want to mess with our flow. I don't want to mess with our flow. Here I am. Lance, what's going on, man? I'm going <laughs> to shut up and let you go. I think the flow is good. I don't know if I'm going to bring someone from the West Coast. I think logistically for the podcast, in terms of our credibility, it would go way up because we'd be able to talk about like, like some of that ball out there, or even like someone like the Southern League would be nice. Cal League would be fun, but I don't know. I think we got a good flow. I think most of our, our most of our listeners, East Coast, Midwest, or there's some West Coast guys. I honestly, don't know. I've been trying to like gauge that out. Yeah, no, we have uh, we have listeners all, all throughout the country, the world. We have people we, that listen we, to <laughs> we, we have people that listen to us in Australia. <laughs> you know what's going on, Steve Ross and others. So yeah, following no, some it's, of the Aussie it's, ball. It's, yeah. it's always uh, it's always a little shocking, like how far the reach of the listenership is. It's certainly it's certainly throughout the country. It's certainly I love it. Shout yeah. out to anyone not in the U.S. Then there we go. Yeah, there you go. We got <laughs> we got. Uh, we got good fans. I want to actually shout out one of our fans, uh, Dan Baumiller and the guys over at Full Tilt Brewery in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, they sent me beer, so I found it 
uh, only right because he listens to the show as he drives around and makes deliveries. He actually said this. It's like, oh, wow. it's, like his, it's like his theme music. You know, like some people listen to like heavy metal before sales appointments. <laughs> he listens to the Prospect <laughs> podcast and drives around. So uh, I figure I should just, you know, drink one of his beers. Oh, I got the, so this oh is, the audio of the crack sounded great. Yes, yep. I, uh, I saved this up. Can you, get, can you hear it? Porn. I saved this I up know. for the show. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't crack any of them. So this is my first taste of uh, Hops the Cat, which you have to see the can. I'll post it up later on Twitter or something. But the, uh, <laughs> the, the can, dude, is, is, is awesome. It's, it's literally like a laser cat, which I find hilarious to begin Amazing. with. Amazing. Yeah, it looks good. You know, it looks good. I like it. Uh, well, hey, shout out. That's awesome. There you go. Yeah, uh, so yeah. Full, full tilt brewery. So you know, cheers, cheers to them. But uh, cheers. While while we're on the uh, the subject of celebration and cheers, why don't we give uh, some some cheers for the promotions throughout the oh minor leagues? It seems like it was like promotion Thursday. That's it definitely was. what it was. There were dozens of promotions. I wouldn't be shocked if there were a hundred plus promotions today. When you really broke it down, I know there were a bunch of guys in the Reds organizations, but uh, uh, just quickly sort of going over here what uh, we have in terms of promotions. We have Alex Kirilov was promoted to uh, high Fort Myers. I know that uh, you got a good look at Kirilov at the Midwest League All-Star game. Do you want to say a little about Kirilov here? Do you want to uh, save that? I'll tease it. uh, Let's tease it then. All right. I'll tease it. Okay, I'll tease it. Yeah. So I got, I actually was credentialed and I got on-field access to the to the Austin Midwest League All-Star Game, which was awesome because I actually didn't realize they were going to let us stay on the field for the Home Run Derby. And Kirloff was in the Home Run Derby. So I got a really, really good perspective of him. I was literally like right next to all the guys as they were hitting. And it was it was fantastic. And uh, his dad was pitching to him. And I talked to his dad a little bit. And uh, I like his swing, but I'm going to leave it at that. I have some more thoughts on him that I will get to later. But Kirloff, yeah, excited about that promotion. I saw that. And I saw your piece go out on Razzball about him. And I, it's a good uh, aligning of everything. My seeing of him, your writing of him, his promotion, it's awesome. Big, big Kirloff guys here, Manio, I know. So uh, we had Kirloff, who I'm going to allude to and, and talk about later. Um, Aloy Jimenez up to AAA Charlotte. Um, who, I don't that know means who this I get is. to watch him now. They mean yeah, that, exactly. that he's finally in a, in a league near me. So I'm, I, I think I have to get to Pawtucket the next time Charlotte's in town. I'll have to check on what that date is. But you know, I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, exactly. Who uh, actually? I have to say, I have to plead ignorance here. CB Zavala is this a is this a name that I don't know? Yeah, he's a he's a catching prospect that oh. uh, the the White Sox uh, prospect folks that I know uh, and and some some folks that follow. I guess uh, Kim Contreras. I don't know if you know who she is. She's follower. Yeah, her yeah. A's A's uh, right. A's and White Sox. She loves oh, the White okay, Sox okay. as well. So. Sebi's one of her guys, and they love Sebi. Decent catcher. He can hit a little bit, so uh, he's an interesting guy. Another guy I'm going to get to see close to me, actually a couple here, actually more than a couple. More than a couple, yeah. One in particular, a guy I'm really fond of, Carter Kaiboom, was promoted to AA Harrisburg. So I got a couple opportunities to see him around here, You know, potentially go to Hartford to catch him, Let's check out when they're back in town, or I could always always drive up to Manchester and see uh, – you know, who's going to be in that, you know, uh, excuse me, if when they're going to be in town. Uh, Ryan McKenna was also promoted to the Eastern League. Uh, he's a guy that I'm really hot on. I actually got uh, invited onto a podcast 
yesterday an Orioles podcast to talk a little bit about Ryan McKenna because I had written about him the week prior. So I guess that uh, I guess that really resonated with the uh, the Orioles fandom. They were looking for something to be excited about. McKenna's one to be excited about. Um, Alex Fado, another guy that was promoted to Double uh, A Erie, so he's also in the Eastern League. He pushed in his debut. Excellent start. Daz Cameron's been hitting. He was also promoted Double A Erie, I think, in the same day as Fado. Um, Dylan Cease, somebody that I think you're probably higher on than I am, but yeah, yeah. we're both we're both fans of the upside. He was promoted to Double A Birmingham, and then we discussed this name before the podcast, <laughs> and it, it's always a shock. Louis Robert, it's Robert, not Robert. It's Robert was promoted to uh, High Winston Salem. So, any of those guys you want to sort of quickly mention? I know I'm sorry that you moved away and can't catch any of these guys when they. When I know they this here. is. This is the waves coming out to the Eastern League, but uh, no, that's fine. There's yeah. some good talent in my West League, and I'm sure there's gonna yeah. be some other guys that uh, jump up through. So we balance it out well. I know there's always gonna be talent, regardless of between us. There's always someone that worth seeing in Manchester or Hartford and, and any of the various minor leagues around me. But yeah, I still can't get over the fact that it is Robert. I, I I've been saying Robert I think since the beginning of time. So I I'm just blown away that I, do they just say Robert in Cuba? But I guess I'm wrong on that. Um, but no, Dad's like Cameron's Shane guy. Bass. It's like Shane Boz. Yeah, so a Shane Shane Boz is actually another guy who I uh, I believe that his name is not Shane Baz. I think it's Shane Boz because I found out the other day his Twitter handle is the Wizard of Boz. But I always called him Baz, and I saw his Twitter handle, and I was like, well, why would he make a pun on his name that doesn't like sound like Oz? So I was like, oh, maybe his last name's Boz. So I'm going with it. I don't know if it's true, but I think it might be Boz. But yeah, Fido too. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna talk about it a little bit in my five by five. So I mean. We could we could skip over these gloss over if anyone's interested in the five by fives. You can probably jump to like the forty five minute mark, and we'll probably get going on that. But before that, <laughs> Ralph, we have a we have a nice little. Uh, we both got out to some games. Obviously, alluded to I was at the Midwest League All Star game. Um, saw Kirloff, saw a couple other guys. I'm going to get into, but let's start with some Cape Ball, Ralph. This is something I know you picked up with Pros- Prospects fifteen hundred. Scott Green is a great friend of ours, really good guy. Um, yeah. I believe he's letting you do a little bit of a cameo here for for the rest of the summer, let, next couple months as as the Cape League starts to kick off. You're pretty close to Wareham, I believe. You got out to a game last week. I saw some stuff up on Twitter. Give us a rundown. I'm going to ask questions. This is kind of like it's reverse road trip here. So my road trip last week and stuff. We're going to yeah. talk about your Cape League adventure. Then we'll get into the Midwest League All-Star Game. And then we'll convene on the Sally League All-Star Game. So let's start with the Cape League. I also had two children under eight. So I couldn't do as much uh, sneaking around <laughs> trying to trying to get. I didn't get any looks at guns. And uh, we'll talk about one of the pitchers, actually, uh, Kyle Hurt from USC, who I saw was I, like he threw hard pitching for Chatham. Right. Uh, is he a lefty? Oh my God. I can't remember right now. I'll have to double check. I I can look for you. I think, I think he's a lefty, but I'm not mistaken. I think yeah, maybe he's a righty either way. I'm, I'm already remembering stuff really, really well, but either way I had two children <laughs> under the age of eight years old with me. So that was fun. Um, and righty. I also had the sun, the sun in my eyes. Okay. He was a righty. Cause anyone got clips of him? Oh yeah. Cause now I'm thinking about it. I got a clip of him from the backside uh, when I was in the netting, I think I might've posted that last night. It was one of the few good videos I got over there when the sun wasn't burning me. Cause I was trying to get like Greg Jones as a open face as a righty. I did get a really nice shot of him hitting lefty, but, uh, I'm kind of jumping around here. Let me go in. So Cape Cod baseball league, if you're not familiar with what it is, it's the premier, 
I guess summer league for collegiate players, but it's the premier summer league for collegiate players where they play with wooden bats. They never mm-hmm. switched over when the NCAA switched over. It's been around for a really long time. It kind of has uh, a very st- kind of, but it has a very storied history. Um, it wasn't always the way it is right now. And I think it's only been accelerated in recent years. And it seems like uh, there's more information coming out of the Cape. People are looking to it more. You hear about it a lot at draft time. And actually, I think in a lot of ways, especially for the the college class, it's sort of the unofficial start of draft season where you sort of have, you know, the the perfect game and all those sort of classics and stuff like that going on. Those events, uh, those showcases were almost like the day after the draft. That's kind of the start for the unofficial start for the high school guys. This is sort of the unofficial start for a lot of these college guys. They get a couple weeks off from playing ball couple days even <laughs> if their team gets eliminated from the regionals or you know the college world series and they come to the cape they play for about a month and a half they pretty much play every single day there's uh 10 teams throughout the league uh located in various spots and they all play at high school fields so it, it's kind of funny that uh you know some of these fields like you know if you go to brewster it's you know there's literally no stands and you just you sit in a hill and there's a playground in center field you know i guess they could sacrifice your children to the home run gods of andrew bonds there <laughs> but but uh and then like this one was at wareham high school like if i had played like varsity junior and senior year of, of high school and you know i hadn't had quit playing baseball at that point um i probably would have played at wareham you know um like it was like down the road. This is really close to my parents' house. I grew up a lot closer to the Cape. So um, I'm just kind of familiar with the area. So Wareham's a little bit under an hour, got in the car, drove there, dealt with the traffic that you always deal with at 495 uh, that time of day. So I got to the game probably about it's 630 start. I got there maybe about 640, you know, after getting the kids uh, food and everything else, got them settled in. And, you know, there were a couple of players that I really wanted to pay attention to because I had been doing some digging and some research on this post for probably, I'd say about a week beforehand, just in terms of trying to match up names with the league. I wanted to see what teams and what players were where. And, you know, in terms of information about like, you know, what players are on what teams and who's been assigned. A lot of it is, is, is sort of, uh, you know, dynamic. There's just the rosters are constantly changing in the first couple of weeks. The rosters aren't necessarily what they'll be for the remainder of the season, depending on, you know, guys from college world series and even the national team commitments and some of that stuff. So I dug through, I found some names, guys that had performed in the first couple of days and then sort of dug a little bit deeper, looked at all their stats on baseball cube, looked at videos of what I could find. Some of them were, were very tough digs. And I sort of came up with a plan of like, Hey, these are the list of guys that I'm really interested in sort of seeing. And then I'll add to this list as time goes by. So I wanted to see Chatham because they had a couple of players in that team that I was really interested in taking a look at. They're ranked highly by, uh, by I think Eric Longhagen and Kyle McDaniel, who did, you know, sort of a, a really good job of sort of putting up top 50 players in the 2019 draft very early. So it gives you an opportunity to sort of follow them. Uh, I want to give them shots out for that. Cause it's, it's always tough to find, you know, 2019 rankings that you don't have to pay for on like some scouting site, you know? Um, and, and it's just tough to, to subscribe to every single freaking site. Right. So uh, shout out to Fangraphs for doing that. They certainly aided in this a little bit and it allowed me to just sort of go in a direction and start digging on this guy and that guy and this guy. And a couple of guys I wanted to look at on Chatham, like I mentioned, were Spencer Torkelson, 
Uh, he's an ASU kid, Arizona State. He was the Pac-12 freshman of the year. Put up ridiculous numbers, really good power, uh, more of more of like a, a first base or like you know corner outfield profile. Um, but he was an interesting guy. Another guy that was on that team was uh, Greg Jones, who I didn't, I wasn't all that familiar with. Uh, you know, I'd seen the name here and there. Uh, he plays for UNC Wilmington. He's a shortstop and he's a switch hitter. And uh, he's another guy I wanted to make sure that I got an opportunity to see. And I'll, I'll talk about him in a minute. Um, but, you know, there were a couple other guys as well uh, that didn't get assigned to uh, Chatham until the day after I was there. One being Drew Mendoza of uh, FSU, who might be one of the top prospects uh, in that class. The other guys I wanted to see were on uh, Wareham. One being Andrew Vaughn who I kind of have an infatuation with and he's not the most perfect player at all, but he's got great raw power and his numbers this year at Cal Berkeley were, you know, absolutely uh, ridiculous. A couple other guys that I wanted to get a look at one being uh, Bryson uh, Stott, who's a, a shortstop third baseman from UNLV. He's very highly ranked at the time that I went, I think based on that mock draft, he was probably the highest rated player uh, active in the, in the Cape league at that point. So I want to get a look at him, see what he was about. And, uh, you know, there were a couple other guys on, on Wareham that were, you know, pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, one, one of them in particular was, uh, what the, uh, Austin, uh, Shenton, who is a, uh, uh, kid from Florida international. And he's putting up great numbers thus far. And I'll just say that he's one of the guys, that I was most impressed with in terms of his ability to just put together a really good at bat. It seemed like anytime he got up, he could get a hit as long as the ball fell right, put really good contact on everything. Easy swing. Didn't try to do too much. Um, and you know, really quick hands and good pitch recognition skills. He just, he just looked like a professional hitter, you know, and he's a guy that I had really no expectations of coming in other than being like, Hey, his stat line was pretty good. And he backed it up in terms of what his play was like. So, um, those are the guys that I, I ended up seeing the other night. Um, I can sort of go into all their scouting reports. I don't know if you have any questions in particular on any of the, those guys or any, I know I was shooting you over videos and saying, Hey, take a look at this guy even yeah. prior to going to the game. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of those guys. Yeah. Well, I got two questions for you actually one I'm interested, you know, the main reason I'm very jealous of this is because I think one of the most fascinating parts of the Cape league is, is the stock increases because you're getting such a good primer for the 2019 draft now that you'll have a fantastic baseline coming into next season as you start to see these kids perform in college ball and be able to see, you know, oh, he was really good in the Cape and he's tailed off a little bit. Maybe it's not playing up as well. You know, he's higher. The order is being pitched differently, et cetera. I think that just the general stock increase is going to be interesting. So my first question is, who do you think stock of what you know right now and the guys you're looking at, who do you think stock's going to increase the most? And number two, I just want to hear a little bit about Greg Jones because I know that you liked him a lot and he's one of the top guys on the list. You would see Wilmington again, shortstop. So those two questions. The first one again is just stock increase. Who do you think is going to shoot up a ton? And then what's your thoughts on Greg Jones? Yeah, I think it could be Greg Jones. And the the funny thing with, with Jones is he's only hitting 259, but he's walked 13 times. You know, well, um, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of that sort of worked in. It's like, ah, oh, whatever about the 259. He was the best player that I saw that night. And I did not have the expectation that he was going to be the guy that was mm-hmm. going to wow me. I honestly kind of saw the profile and I was like, ah, he's probably like you know, a good hit tool guy that can run a little bit with not a ton of power 
and he plays a decent shortstop. Just one of those guys. that's like a better real world prospect than he is for fantasy or just sizzle. Right. I mean, we all like sort of like the sizzle of somebody sure. that's going to be able to hit. Right. That's the baseline of what we as fans. And I think, um, folks at research, we, you know, we all love pitchers, but we, I think we also understand if we follow the game that it takes so much that there's a lot more like sort of plug and play with a lot of these hitters, especially these college guys. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, my expectation was like Bryson Stott's going to be the best guy that I see shortstop is all these different things. Yeah, he's going to be the best guy I see hands down, you know, based on what I've heard, it's probably going to be him. So I show up and I see Jones in his first at bat and he's one of these guys that when you just, you see him immediately, you're like, that dude is an athlete, high waisted, mm-hmm. you know, really slender, but like, you know, triangular in terms of what his build is. He's very strong. He's just super, super lean, smooth, relaxed, fluid, and everything that he did. Um, you know, he worked a, a five pitch walk in the first at bat, um, you know, ended up coming around to score. He, uh, second at bat. And that was, when, that was when he was hitting uh, right-handed second at bat. I got, I got a good video of it. He was hitting left-handed and, uh, he just scorched a single on like a high fastball and just, you know, you drove it out the other way and just breezed out to first base. You know, he came around to score again on that one, I think from second on like a, a single to right, um, just absolutely flies was great in the field. You know, everything that he did was just really, really smooth. Um, gloves good. He moves really well. Footwork is excellent. And I think he's a guy that's going to be able to stick it short. And I know I was talking to, uh, you know, the Dennis Yarmouth sort of beat reporter chatting with him, um, on Twitter and he had mentioned uh, that, you know, he thought that, you know, and he's watched a few more games than I have, that Greg Jones is the best player that he's seen thus far. And he's actually hit for, for some power. He's hit a couple of homers. So, you know, I like the fact the power is coming up. Um, you know, he's got that wiry strength, really good swing from both sides of the plate. He's got a good baseline of, of, of uh, athleticism to go with good pitch recognition skills and the ability to get on base and use that speed. I think he's a guy that's going to play in real life and he's going to play in fantasy. You know, if he was in a bigger pro program, not that UNC Wilmington is awful. They're you know good. I think they won their conference, but you know, it's not like he's in an ACC school or an mm-hmm. SEC school, like a Florida or even out West where like, there's a little bit more, you know, press following him around, sure. but this kid is super exciting. He was the best player that I saw that night, hands down. And I love that you're saying that too, especially like even if it is a smaller school, whatever, but like the Cape League town is essentially the level of like ACC big school, like the talent there. So it's like he's getting, if you, if he performs here, then you have to almost take off the table the question marks for going back like UNC Wilmington when the draft comes around, like, oh, he plays at UNC Wilmington. Then your counter is, well, he killed it on the Cape against essentially top tier talent. Like, so I really like hitting stuff like with that. wood. Hitting yeah, with exactly. Wood. Exactly. That's the other thing, you know? Um, and he just absolutely scorched one. If you want me to go into a couple other guys, I want to say, a few things about yeah, uh, number one, Bryson Stott. Bryson Stott just kind of looked okay. Made some great plays in the field. He really did. He made a few diving catches that looked really good. You know, I don't, I don't know if he's a, a shortstop long term. Like I haven't read a ton of scouting reports in his defense, but from what I saw, I thought he could stick at the position. Um, he wasn't, he was kind of passive at the plate. The swing is okay. Um, but I didn't see him make contact with a lot of stuff that was in play. Um, he did have a single later that night or maybe it was earlier and I might've missed it in the first inning or so I missed his single though. So, but I didn't see him make a ton of contact and I, you know, I don't know. I want to see more of him and I'm going to see more of him with, with where him, 
But um, yeah, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit iffy on him. I, I, I thought that, okay. you know, I, just something about the swing kind of seemed like a little lazy and I didn't love the bat path. He kind of had a little hitch to it. Like I, I'm going to have to watch more of them. Like I said, it might've just been a bad night. You know, I have no idea <laughs> what was going on, Dude. but, uh, he's a guy that, you know, I definitely wasn't as impressed by as I thought it was going to be. Like I said, in the field, he looked, he looked good. He, I mean, he looked like a ball player. It's not like he was crap, entirely crap, but based on the ranking, I was expecting a little bit more and he's going to have some competition too, to play short every day. Cause, uh, if you realize this, but I actually just missed uh, Ryan Kreidler, who's uh, a very highly rated shortstop. I think he's rated just as highly as as Stott, uh, big guy from yeah yeah. UC- I'm looking UCLA. at the figures thing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right there from, with Greg Jones and, and Stott. Yep. yep, from UCLA. So he's a guy I just missed by a day. He was really interesting. I really like Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn is a guy like I mentioned before. Uh, Cal Berkeley. We talked about him a ton. Swing is a little bit long, yeah, and it's long it, yep. in person, but he has unbelievable bat speed. He's got really good bat to ball as well. Though the, though the swing is long, he just, he's just, he's got natural hitting instincts, puts together a good at bat. Uh, he swings hard. He hits the ball hard. He homered that night. I just missed it with the camera, but, uh, you know, he, he drove one out, uh, to the pole side. And then, you know, he had another hit later on that night where, you know, he just knocked the ball and put it into play, uh, you know, sort of drove it, uh, in a right field. So he's a guy that uh, I, I just think can hit, you know, but I think one of the things with him is his profile to me is far more interesting from a fantasy perspective. If you're making rankings and looking at it like that, then he probably is from like a real world baseball list perspective. And a lot of that is a fact that, you know, he is a little bit stiff in the swing. There is, you know, it's a little long. There are some questions to it. The numbers speak for themselves. I think, you know, he keeps producing at every level he's been. I believe he leads the Cape in homers right now with four or five. And, you know, that's in like a week. So that's yeah, in a week. Jesus. Hitting, <laughs> hitting with wood. Hitting with wood. I mean, you saw what is – I might even link to it in the podcast uh, 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 description. But you need to see Andrew Vaughn's highlights from last year, some of the home runs this guy hits. And, and the numbers back it up. Like I said, I think he had like eight strikeouts to 44 walks, you know, and had like – almost three times as many homers as he had strikeouts, which is, which is crazy. So, you know, I saw that there that night, the fact that he's probably like a left fielder or first base only knocks him down in terms of a little bit of of the real world value, but that dude can hit, I mean, just absolutely mashes and everything that he hits, he hits hard. Um, similar guy, uh, being Spencer Torkelson, as I mentioned before, he's, he's a little bit cleaner. He's, more like your normal size because Andrew Vaughn's probably 5'10". They lift him at like 5'11". He's probably 5'10". He's a s- small, stocky guy. Where like <laughs> Spencer Torkelson is built like, you know, a brick house. Like he's just a – it's funny because there's a Spencer brick house that's actually in the league too. Uh, but <laughs> he's a big, broad-shouldered, like, you know, slim-waisted guy, big, tall, like 6'4". Uh, very strong, you know, and, and swings, swings, a strong bat puts together a really professional at bat, um, you know, fluid in terms of what his movements are. And he's a guy that just drives everything. The sound of his, the crack off his bat was different from, you know, it was like him and Vaughn had that like different sound off the bat and actually Jones might've on the single. Um, 
he's a really interesting one. He's a 2020 uh, guy. So he's somebody that's a little bit further off. But like I said, he put up big numbers this year and he was Pac-12 rookie of the year. So I think that speaks for itself. I love it. I love some of this Cape League coverage. I'm living uh, vicariously through you in terms of this because it was something I was looking forward to checking out this year, but obviously I'm not going to be able to. But uh, but yeah, I'm loving this. We got we got to definitely check back in on some of these guys. I'm I'm really interested in some of these shortstops because from my general impressions of what the 2019 drafts already looking like is that it, it might be a little bit more bat heavy than what the arms heavy that we saw in the high school arms specifically heavy that we saw in this draft. Um, yep. so I'm interested, you know, we had a, obviously a lot of the college people, college guys, I call them people <laughs> top the straight five off the board of college. And then it went pretty uh, heavy, but you know, initially last year's draft, 2018 draft that just happened was known as, as like a Florida, Georgia pitcher draft. And it kind of turned out like that. I would say just based on the, the depth of some of the high school pitching. But then again, like most of the people, most of the talent that people know ended up being like college bats. So I guess yeah. I kind of re- reverted, even though like the depth side of it was arms. So this is a college bat heavy draft. So I actually think yeah. it's, it's helping a lot. I want to say too, I've watched a couple of games. Uh, if you're interested in watching some Cape league Lance, you could check out, uh, Falmouth's, uh, Twitter handle. They actually tape the games and broadcast them live on YouTube. Oh, love it. Yeah. I will be checking some of that out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's, they do a really good job of the broadcast. Um, you know, the camera's good. It's right from behind the behind home plates. So you get a good look at the pitching, um, and you know, you just get a general idea of what guys look like and how they swing. One guy I watched was Nick Quintana. And I'm going to say it's a, a highly touted, uh, third base, second base prospect and highly touted as a hitter. I mean, this guy slash three thirteen, four thirteen, five ninety two, uh, with 13 homers from the university of Arizona, he's considered a top 20 talent and dude, he looked bad. Like I, I wonder what his numbers were. I think going into going into yesterday, he was like maybe two for, 21 with 10 strikeouts he struck mm. out a, a couple times in that game or maybe grounded out twice and then struck out once but even like the ground out like he was a, he was up like three oh in counts and then got down like you know three two run the count full and then like hit like a like a like a like a chopper like a weak chopper above like the the pitcher that he knocked down the shortstop made a play on and then he grounded mm. out in his first at bat and then he was he was up three one Okay. And the same guy and ended up, you know, swinging through a pitch, but it was the same thing. Like even when he was up three Oh, like he, he, he had two hittable pitches in the zone that he just over, over swung on, you know, like he was just straight missing mm-hmm. pitches in the zone way too aggressive. It looked like he was trying to just like mash everything that he, that he hit. And we know it just, that's not going to work, especially against good pitching, you know? Sure. Um, so I don't know if he's just pressed. If he's just pressing, certainly the numbers speak for themselves. You know, I'm not going to try to sum this guy's career up in you know one sequence and in a bad week in the Cape League, but he's a guy whose stock might be dropping a little bit just to sort of throw it out there. And I was able to watch a couple of his games, so hoping to get out to uh, Dennis Yarmouth next week. I love it. Or should be tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow? Huh? Let's turn it around quick. Oh, it's, it's this. It's this. Hops the cat, man. It's got me. <laughs> Your beer's too alcoholic. Uh, what was the name of the brew company? It's uh, Full butcher. Tilt. Full Tilt. Full Tilt. There it is. Full Tilt Brewing. Drop the ABV on your beer. Damn it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Seven, <laughs> Actually, Ray, it's probably seven, better for everybody. 7.4. 7.4. <laughs> so not bad. Oh, man. Great. Well, I'm loving some of this Cape coverage. It's going to be fun to kind of keep up with this. I was out in uh, – actually up in Lansing, Michigan. I, I traveled out for the Midwest League All-Star Game, and I got a look at particularly two names that everyone's going to care about, Royce Lewis and Alex Kirloff. 
um, are the two. Austin Beck was also there, and Will Benson was probably was probably like the core four of the guys. There was really no one on the pitching side of things that was jumping out in terms of uh, the rosters, the finalized rosters. Brewster Gratterall was initially uh, elected, but obviously didn't come back. I believe he had a slight injury thing that I'm pretty sure Cedars Rapids in the Twins organization. Shocking. 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 Yeah, they pulled him out because of that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we love Brewster. I think both of us, I think we joked about him and how much weight he put on um, and how massive his lower half is uh, from when you look video oh. year over year of him. But uh, um, he's a fun arm. But uh, aside from that, the twins were obviously highly represented here in terms of Kirloff and Lewis. Um, very impressed by both, I would say. I think Kirloff alluded to it a little bit, but um, I, I am a very, very big fan of Kirloff from what I saw in person compared to what I was expecting. I was expecting a good hitter. I was expecting a polished hitter, and I saw a polished hitter. But the thing that stood out to me the most is the fact that he sprays line drives everywhere. He's gap to gap, which is particularly interesting because of how many home runs he has. So I saw his BP. BP was relatively good. Then he goes to the Roman Dermot. He starts actually hammering some balls. He went on like this crazy tear with like a minute left. So it's similar to like the major league Roman Derby where they give you like three minutes and you just, you hack away. And Kirloff needed, I think, 13 home runs in his three-minute span to advance to the next round. And he ended up getting 12. But he hit, I think, four or five of them in the last like 45 seconds where he was just aggressively swinging and it was just like a super high intensity like workout and you just saw like all of his natural power come out and it was very impressive and sure you might say like will benson was clearly the most impressive individual just because he's a physical specimen and i got a really good angle at him launching some balls but but kirloff just in his approach to the ball he's gap to gap he has he hits really hard line drives the other way and he did this three times in the game he was one for four in the game I call him my MVP honestly because he scorched three balls to left center and then he eventually turned on a breaker inside I think it might have been I wasn't sure if it was a change of error or a curveball or whatever but uh it was like eight mid 80s and he turns on the pitch and slaps it for a single and ties the game of the eighth so basically he goes through four completely different pitchers in this Midwest League all-star game and hammers the ball each time and I just I really, really like what I see in terms of being able to project that out. You have a high average bat who has some pull power who can hit gap to gap. He reminded me, and I don't want to bring up like a Yelich comp, but what I was thinking of, I think that I, I called Ralph and we were kind of talking on my way home. We were recapping because I think we both went the games that night, obviously. And I was just like, he feels like an unpolished version of Yelich. And I'm saying that because I want to, I want to praise Yelich for how good of a hitter he is in his approach particularly. But the thing with Kirloff is that he's he has natural loft in his swing, which is something that Yelich doesn't have and has never had. And was one of the reasons why preseason I was re- I was fading the fact that Yelich could hit 30 home runs even in Miller, where obviously the ball flies out of for lefties. But that's my main thing with Kirloff is just like he has the average, and I think that he has natural loft in his swing and how he's able to hit the ball. And in terms of like projecting him out going forward, I'm – I'm very, very aggressive on him rankings-wise. I don't know how many midseason ranking updates I've seen, particularly on the fantasy side of things. I'd have no problem putting him inside the top 50. I'd probably entertain top 40. I'd consider top 30. That's how aggressive I am Am on him particularly right now. For fantasy particularly, specifically because of how polished the bat is. That's what I'm going off of. Because in the fantasy circles, you want to bet on bats like that. You want to bet on guys who have stability in their profile on the offensive side of things. And that's where Kirloff lands for me. And I was very impressed. And, and that's all I'll say on Kirloff. Lewis... Royce Lewis was pretty interesting. He was a really, really cool guy. Like he actually, 
he was wearing Batman socks during batting practice, and I asked him if I could snap a picture of him, threw him up in this recap I did for Viva Albertos, and he let me, and he was kind of chatting with me for a little bit. And then after the game, I went back on the field and was trying to get some quotes and stuff like that, and I told him a good game, and he said thanks. So that's my Royce Lewis moment. He's my boy now. But uh, <laughs> but uh, we got to try to get him on the pod. But um, <laughs> no, he was a really cool guy. I think his family was there and everything. Um, he looked really good. I was most impressed by actually defensive side of things with him. His range at short is very, very impressive. I know there was some rumors a while ago that he would maybe move to center or whatever. And I, I really think you just keep him at short from what I saw. He's a, he ranges beautifully left to right. His first step's fantastic. He's got a strong arm. I wouldn't say, I don't think it's plus, but I think it's above average and it's easy enough for him to stick there with his range. I don't even think he needs a plus arm. I really like him at short. Um, the swing is interesting. I put it up on Twitter and I got some responses of people saying, wow, that leg kick or it's a little noisy here and there. But, and I came into that with the kind of preconceived notion of it being noisy just from the tape I saw, but it actually worked a little bit better in person than I was expecting it to. He's able to make really, really good contact. Um, his bat the ball is exceptional. I really like that, you know, we see the year-over-year change in the Midwest League for him and the drop and his strike array. I think he's cut out by about 5%. Seems to be seeing pitching better as he's obviously getting more reps out of high school. But, you know, I was impressed with it. I... I I think this actually happened to me when I first saw Boba Shett. I remember I was like a little bit fading on Boba Shett because I thought there was a little too heavy of a bat rap. And then you see Boba Shett in person and you see the bat speed in person and you're like, eh, that doesn't really matter to me anymore. And I definitely retracted myself on that claim. And, and I almost feel like the same thing happened with Royce Lewis where I came into it and was like, I know he's got a big leg kick. I know he keeps his hands pretty high. There's a little bit of a waggle. He probably could clean up all of it but you know I went in and I was like let's see what happens and I'd say I was I was impressed I was I, I always try to you know I was saying like neutral to unimpressed neutral to impressed I'd say I'm impressed with him overall just trying to like baseline where I was I always like kind of seeing what my understanding of the player is then going to see him alive and seeing if that changes at all and I'd say for kill off it went up and uh, for Lewis, I think it, it stayed right about where it was because I think it came in thinking that, you know, you know, try to just absorb him as he is. But again, press defensively, definitely with him. Kirilov there as well. Austin Beck was another one. I actually got to talk to him for about four or five minutes. I'm writing a column for Athletics Nation on the SB Nation side of things about some of the adjustments he made. His striker rate has also fallen by about 7% year over year. He's hitting about almost near 300 right now. Really interested in his profile particularly because I always thought and I always read that he had a lot of hidden power. And I think that some people projected him future 70 raw. And and I was really interested in that because he's a little bit smaller of a frame guy. I think he's right around six feet. Um, doesn't really stand out physically. Hits the ball very, very hard. Puts a lot of his body, engages his body really well in his swing. But I noticed year over year, and I'm gonna, this will be in the com is a little gif of how he's adjusted, but quiet his hands up a lot, shrunk his leg kick. And I just kind of asked him, I was talking to him about, you know, was that a, a thing he was going to change? Was it internal? Did he know about it? What did he do? Is he specifically working on it in the offseason? How's he like the results? All these questions. So that'll be in my column. But um, I'm, I'm most interested. I think I'm actually kind of still digesting Austin Beck, honestly. I'm not really sure what I see long-term for him. I'm not sure if he can, with the current approach he has, get into more power. But he's really quick. I think he plays the plus de- average to plus defensive center field, which is going to play up almost like a Dustin Fallery kind of guy. But I think that there still is a little bit of that hidden power because he hits the ball really hard. I just don't know with the current approach. He, his home run, his ISO is down a little bit with this new approach. So I think it maybe has sapped some of his power, but... He admitted, too, when I was talking to him, that he's more of a free swinger in high school. He was just swinging at everything. It didn't really matter. And he, he explicitly said that. So really interested to see him going forward. I'd say I'm still digesting him. I don't know if I've faded his stock at all. I think I maybe kept it baseline around like that 100 to 150 window, I guess I'd say. 
I mean, I think that's acceptable. I think you want to go a little bit higher. You project out the power. Sure, if you want to go lower and you don't project out the power, no problem at all there. But another interesting guy, obviously, in the A's organization, they drafted him in the first round 2017. Talked to a really cool reliever from the Cardinals, Brian Dobzanski. I'll have a call him up on Vivo, Roberto Soretti, about that. He was really funny. Mixed up his slider. He worked, actually, in the offseason with Jack Flaherty, which was really cool. Dug into that. And then, obviously, I'll, I'll finish off here with Will Benson. Actually, no, I'll finish off with uh, Alergius Montero. I don't know if I'm saying his first name right. Yes. But Will Benson, Will Benson's super interesting because we always call him Gronk with a bat. Ralph. So I, you know, I came into this and I was like, I'm expecting Gronk with a bat. And I didn't get that. I actually got a much more polished hitter than I ever thought Will Benson could be. So Ooh. I would definitely say impressed with Will Benson in terms of what he was doing. If you watch some of that tape from him at high school and you watch some of the, of the home run tape that I put up at him, much quieter swing. looks substantially more like an actual baseball player than obviously the football player with the bat that we all kind of joked about him being. I, I was very impressed. He's obviously still has a ton of swing and miss. He's got a large frame. He's going to struggle with this for a while, but it's legitimate power. He put on a show. He, he ended up losing the home run derby to, I believe, Ronaldo Hernandez, who's a catcher, I believe, in the Rays system. Um, I don't think he's too, too much of a prospect. Will Benson, obviously, more of a prospect for the Indians. But I was impressed with Will Benson, absolutely. I didn't look into him too, too much. But, um, you know, I'm interested in the rep side of things with him. He's going to have a lot of time to develop just because he's got to understand that strike zone and his size. He's already striking out 30% of the time in the Midwest League. Interested to see what happens with there. And then Alurius Montero, obviously the Cardinals piece here. There were five Peoria Cardinals representing. was the reason I was out there for Viva Alberto, the SB Nation side. But Alurius Montero is obviously the one that I think a lot of people care about. He's actually Rule 5 eligible, I believe, the following year. So 2019. He's been in the system for a very long time, yet he's only 19. He, uh, the reports I read in him was that he would be a little bit bigger bodied than you expect, but I didn't, again, see that at all. I actually thought he was relatively lean for his size, and if he feels that any more with his frame around like 6'2", 6'3", I think he stood. Like, I'm completely fine with that, and he's already a third baseman. I don't think he's really, you know, I don't think he's a plus club there, but I don't think there's any risk that he moves to first base immediately. Like, uh, the Carlos draft, like, guy out of TCU, Luke and Baker, who's like a massive, massive first baseman, who's probably more suited for the AL and DHing, but, um... But yeah, Lurius Montero, uh, hard contact. I really like his swing. Um, I think he's got a little bit of noise. He's got a, a nice little toe tap too. He keeps his weight very centered. I thought his interaction with his lower half and his upper half were really nice in that. So I was impressed with that. Obviously, I don't think he's a top 20 prospect on most Cardinal lists, but I'd say he's right on the fringes and with the, how the Cardinals develop talent, yeah. I'd be stunned. Um, so that's Lurius Montero. Again, really young guy. Um, he's only 19 years old. So those are kind of like the five names that I'd say stood out in the Midwest League All-Star game. Um, and then I also want to allude to, Ralph, you said you're going to game Saturday. There's a chance, and I have to coordinate this with my schedule, but I believe Mackenzie Gore is pitching in Fort Wayne Saturday, and I really want to get out and see him. So hopefully we'll, we'll have more Cape League to talk about and some Mackenzie Gore to talk about next week. But uh, I'll pass it back to you, Ralph. Any thoughts on the any of the guys I mentioned maybe, or did you want to jump into the Sally League? Uh, why don't we jump into the Sally League? Because I think we're already running like, relatively yeah. long. I don't know how we long our conversation was to begin with, but I know we've already been talking for 50 minutes. So I'm like, how long were we on the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's so yeah. The Sally League. Why don't you, uh, why don't we, we jump, jump into the Sally league for me? I know you, you, you've seen some of these guys and, uh, yeah. one in particular was, uh, a man with a very Prado. big night. So, Take it away, Lance. Yeah, yeah. Prado won the MVP of this, which was really cool to see this. He's been struggling a bit. He's got to obviously strike it rates up. And again, I, t I spoke with him in person, which was really cool. Another really, really good guy um, in terms of just breaking down his swing and ways adjustment, made adjustment-wise from high school. But 
Um, you know, I was talking about the Beck's adjustments. Prado's adjustments were actually further back in high school. He's still, I think, a really polished hitter. I think if you project out, again, I think I've said this before, any plus power there, you end up with a pretty nice prospect. He went two for five, four RBIs with a home run. He won the MVP. There were six total home runs in this game. The Moon Wesley game was only three to two, much over a pitcher's duel. Some contact here and there, really no power. I think one individual hit a home run that I don't remember the name of. I want to say it was Taylor Walls, who might be in the Rays system. Could be mixing that up. But um, six total, total home runs in the Sally League here. Brett Boswell, second baseman for Colorado. Manuel Geraldo, shortstop from San Francisco. Jeremy Vasquez, first baseman for the Mets. Tate Blackman, second baseman for the White Sox. And Trevor Krapor, I'm going to guess, third baseman from the Orioles. Those were the six homers. Freddie Tarnock actually struck out the side in this game in his inning of the work. Yeah. Only, guy, only guy between the two All-Star games to K this side, which I thought was pretty cool. He's uh, seems like he's been more of like a, a two to three inning arm for the Rome Braves. So I thought that was pretty interesting. It seems just Braves depth in terms of pitching keeps going on. Um, and then two of the bigger names in this All-Star game, obviously Suli Matai. I believe he actually hit a home run again tonight. So now he has a billion home runs in a, a whatever amount of games, which is thoroughly impressive. Um, uh. <laughs> still a ton of swing and miss there. And he showed that in the Saturday Oscar game over two with two strikeouts. And then Drew Waters, who's I know a name, uh, Jason Woodall, who's a good friend of ours. He's, he's uh, hyped him up. I've, I've seen a bit on Twitter. I can't say I've seen too much Drew Waters tape, but he, all, he was over four with two strikeouts, but he walked and he scored a run. I think he might've stole a base in the Saturday Oscar game too. But um, again, you know, super small sample, but uh, I like watching some of these Oscar game stats just to see how guys perform against, you know, mixed up talent and stuff, especially if you get a couple more at bats and they're seeing multiple relievers almost in a game. So any thoughts on those guys, Ralph? Yeah, no, I'm Prado's a guy that I'm really excited for. Tarnock is somebody I was eyeing actually tonight on a waiver wire in a dynasty league, thinking about adding him and dropping somebody else. I like Tarnock a lot. I think he has a ton of upside as for the rest of the guys that you mentioned, other than Suli and waters, which it's not great to see, but it's an all-star game. I don't care all that much. Yeah, exactly. pressing, right? We kind of expect the K's with uh Suli. I may, maybe we're hoping for a little bit more with waters, but you didn't go to the game. So what the heck do you care? Um, <laughs> And the rest of the guys that you mentioned were the homers. Yeah, I don't really care about any of those guys. <laughs> yeah, there's six homers. So that was impressive. Balls flying. <laughs> that, that is, yeah. It's just too bad it wasn't Suli, right? You would imagine. I know. <laughs> somebody's hitting homers amongst that group at Suli. Any other uh, mentions you want to have? I don't know if you wanted to go into like any other all-star games. I know that Ryan McMahon uh, was in the, uh, the Carolina League all-star game. He led off for the North team. He actually uh, led the game off with a double and scored the game's first run. I think the North nice. side actually ended up North side. Uh, the North team ended up winning uh, that game. And I don't actually recall what happened in the California League All-Star game. So there you go. But it's All-Star games. They, they don't yeah. matter all that much. That's why with Cape <laughs> exactly. I'm just really excited about the Cape League now so I can be a year ahead of everything for some strange <laughs> reason. I, I, I feel this desire to to chase games in the Cape League. But. Without further ado, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Rotoware. Obviously, that's rotoware.com. You can use our promo code on any of their products at Sagnoff. You can get 20% off any of their t shirts. They have all the different designs that have come out uh, since the beginning of the season. One of my favorite ones, I want to harken back to maybe a month or two ago before we were just talking about all the Rotoware Classic Jams. The 80 grade uh, shirt is one of my favorites, man. I had that one on the other night. It has all the tallies with the bats add up to 80. Just a cool looking design. And it's just a really nice shirt. 
Love the materials that the Rotoware shirts are made out of. And like I said, you can use our promo code Sagnoff to get 20% off that. You can also hop on to his joint venture uh, with Amazon where he has a ton of different t-shirts designed. That, that's where the, the gray Tout War shirt is. That's where the, the Justin Mason silly shirts are. That's where uh, the, the Prospect Jesus shirt is. And uh, the Mahler shirt, which is probably one of my favorites. And I know that you have a ton of Rotoware shirts as well, Lance. Anything you wanted to add on Rotoware? No, I just want to, I just want to, you know, honestly, just give him props for the amazing stuff that I've seen on, uh, on, on, you know, he's been shooting out on Twitter. He's doing again, a lot of, I mentioned this all the time, but he's doing a lot of stuff like in the moment when something happens, he shoots a shirt out for it. And I just love that. I love the fact that he's capitalizing on some of this. He's going around some of the buzz. He's had some fantastic shirts. Um, if you go to Amazon right now and you type in Rotoware, you get five pages of shirts with, it looks like about. 20 shirts per page or so, which is just unbelievable. I love how much Kenny's grown. He's got some amazing shirts that I, I think I missed, which is unbelievable because I feel like I always make sure I'm checking in what he's doing. He's got a an Enri Encarnacion t-shirt, an EE one with a parrot on it, obviously kind of mimicking that parrot that uh, Edwin Encarnacion hits, holds on his shoulder or elbow kind of as he rounds first for some reason, which is weird. I don't really know. Go big or go hara after Luis Gohara. He's done a, he has a couple Mitch Hanniger shirts, obviously having a fantastic season. Uh, a filthy, filthy Nevich shirt, which I assume has to obviously do with Mike Fulton Nevich and how disgusting he's been this year and some of the projection on him. Um, there was a joke. I think we were talking about that Tyler O'Neill wears the Tyler, you don't bench Tyler, Tyler benches you shirt on chest days, which is the yes. greatest story, I think, that is a, unbelievable. I can't get over that. It I is. love that. It's, Especially it's as a Cardinals fan. So. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, you know, keep going on and on. I can go on and on with this. He's got, you know, it's all the guys. And I love it, too. I almost feel like we're going to look back in a couple of years, Ralph, and be like, oh, we remember these shirts from the moment they happened. Like, he's got an Ozzy Albies shirt. We're going to remember Ozzy Albies' amazing stretch for the first two months of the season. I didn't even see he's got an Eddie H.R. Rosario shirt, which is fantastic because I remember him back in New Britain. I was always a big fan of him. I never thought he'd put together this good of a career, but Eddie was always a great guy. I know to the people in New yeah. Britain, they loved him out there. So He's the best, he's the best hitting prospect they've produced. I, absolutely, yeah, which is amazing, especially if we can pu- compare Buxton. that to, like, Snow and Buxton. and Kapler, yeah. And, it's and unbelievable. Snow. It's unbelievable. He's like, a, he's like a top 25 player in fantasy right now. It's nuts. Oh, yeah. He's um, he's nuts. He's bat the ball. It's just I'm, – I'm super impressed by him. But another one, like Maximus Muncy, another one. Like I just love that we're going to be able to jump back and look at these shirts and go, yes, I remember when all these amazing events happened. So shout out to Kenny at Rotoware at Kenneth underscore Cashman, Rotoware.com. Search Rotoware on Amazon. Whew, five by five, ref. Let's get this going. Who You want to start right. off? No, I'm going to let you start off. All so right. You can- Pronounce this man's name correctly <laughs> for an entire segment for the first oh, time. Man, this is going to be great. Lance, who's your number one? My number one is is Louis Robert or Luis Robert, whatever. You, I can't even get his first name now. I'm just digging myself into a hole. But he was obviously promoted to Winston, Winston-Salem. I was out there last week, and so I was a le- week late on this. I was a little bummed about it, but... Um, obviously the promoted when we're talking about, I knew there's a a bunch of systems that just seems to promote everyone. And the white Sox was definitely one of those with, with Cease and and Robert. Oh, I said it again. Damn it. Robert and, uh, (laughs) Cease. And I think Joel Booker, (laughs) I failed. Joel Booker's another one who's killing Winston-Salem. He got pumped up to, I believe Birmingham as well. So the white Sox made a ton of promotions and Robert was one of them. Um, 13 games with Canapolis. He caved 24% of the time, walked 8% of the time was slashing 289, 360, 400, four for six on the bags. looked pretty good. Um, it seemed like to me that they had basically a structure 
you know, Rakan seemed to have a structure in terms of his development. Like, we want X amount of games here. Canapolis, let's kick him up to Winston-Salem. I'd be interested to see, though, at what point they kind of take the reins off and they're just like, let's see how he plays. We're not going to have a timetable when we want to call him up. I don't know if that's going to be Winston-Salem or I don't know if that's going to be Birmingham later this year. I guess we'll kind of see in terms of what they do. Maybe they go half and half, which you kind of alluded to a little bit, Ralph, with uh, Elo, I believe. Um, but yeah, Ro- Robert is, is a really, really interesting <laughs> prospect. I just, I'm so bad at this, Ralph. I can't do it. Robert, <laughs> Robert is an amazing... Um, interesting prospect i know he's top 30 on a lot of lists the speed projection with the power and the hit tool is amazing plus arm everyone thinks he could play outfield relatively well you're looking at a five tool guy one of the legitimate top tier five tool guys in uh all prospect lists um his swing is interesting too i actually was looking at a little bit i think he's a little bit of an upper body hitter i'd be really interested to see if they change him up at all i think he's a little bit puigy in his setup which is just the thing i think i get with a lot of these cuban prospects simply probably because of their development track out in that country and stuff in terms of how they hit but uh low hands really really small stride he gets his foot to, foot down really early um i'm really interested to see it. The, the mechanical adjustment i would assume they maybe entertain with him is to bring that foot up a little bit start getting him to his back hip a little bit more see if he can generate a little more power because i think that's the one thing that's lacking but even with that lacking he could be a really really powerful handsy hitter and we saw him do this i believe he had a home run in spring training um really impressive guy robert so keeping an eye on him obviously and i'm sure he's already owned in most dynasty leagues but maybe target him in a trade i think he's a nice guy to try to acquire who's your number one ralph so my number one is actually another Cuban, and that would be Julio Pablo Martinez, who I believe was the uh, next big signing out of Cuba after Lou Bob. That's what you can call him, by the way. Oh, Lou Bob. Yes. Lou Bob. That's Love it. Love it. Yeah, I can't mess that up. <laughs> that's what uh, that's what the Chicago folks call him. So you can fit right in with all the South Side boys. So anyway, <laughs> um, Julio Pablo Martinez, who was one of the big signings. He's a 22 year old uh, lefty bat. Outfielder considered like a, a speed contact guy with a little bit of power. We've seen this profile before not work out. <clears throat> Rosny Castillo. He's <laughs> interesting. He's a young, he's younger than Rosny Castillo, but he played with Lou Bob uh, on the island and Victor Victor, who's going to be the next big Cuban signing. We should <laughs> see sometime Victor. over the next. That name. Yeah. Yeah. You got to love Victor Victor Mesa, but uh, <laughs> he's, he might be the best of the three, which is, kind of crazy but you never know with these cuban ones it's always it's like japanese players it's always like a little bit of like legend that goes along with it but anyway <laughs> julio pablo martinez made his debut professionally over here for you know major league affiliates uh with the dominican summer league a few weeks ago in seven games there he had 409 606 682 mashed he just stole some bases which is what he's known to do though he was caught stealing three times out of five attempts which isn't a great look for a guy that's supposedly a base stealer mm. I'm going to assume there's some rust, some in-game rust that he has to get, you know, adjusted to. We'll see how that goes. He's now in Spokane of the, uh, it was a short season, a affiliate, the Northwest league more, you know, more or less the equivalent of like what the New York Penn league is here in the Northeast. And, uh, through the first five games, not so good. 125, 364, 250. The reports are he struggled a little bit with some breaking stuff and just sort of uh, adjusting, you know, in in at bat. Uh, he's walked six times to five strikeouts, so that's pretty good. We know the speed is there. He's you know one for two in terms of steals. I'd like to see that play up a little bit. I'm interested to see with this guy if he can get everything to click, and it certainly shouldn't. It shouldn't we shouldn't find that out in short season, a ball. It may not be until he's promoted to a full season affiliate that we really see if there's actually something there or not, but it's not a great sign. Even if there's some rust there for a guy who's 22 and supposedly as good as he is, it's a little worrisome that he's not hitting better than that. I know it's only five games, 
but there's some there's some underlying stuff mm-hmm. there, and some of the things that I've read in in the scouting reports of folks that have seen him in the, in the Northwest League that you know he's just not quite there, and that's not great. Yeah, because like Louis Louis Robert is pretty much hit, you know, from the time he came here. Yeah, yeah. There really hasn't been. I mean, maybe he's had a couple of bad games, but you always sort of saw it and. I'm a little bit worried about Julio Pablo, Pablo Martinez, just just to say it. You know, I don't know if you've gotten a look at, you know, some of his. I haven't. One of these guys, you know, same thing. Uh, low low hands, you know, sort of starts by his head, but he drops down a little bit, so his hands are pretty low. Um, mm-hmm. Big big long swing from the left side, you know, but he's a specimen, like all these guys are, right? Yeah, yeah. Amazing shape. So yeah, that's that's the, that's. That's interesting, too, because, I mean, I, I've been reading a little bit, too, about some guys who fall up and down prospect lists based on – because with a lot of these international guys, what we here in the States outside of circles of major league teams get in terms of scouting reports on them is literally from the scouts. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of academies down there who are pulling, like, advanced data to be able to confidently, you know, correlate what the scouts are saying with the advanced data and say, great, the scout thinks this guy's a 70-hit power tool – potential for 60 hit he's killing the ball he's got really good approach they don't really get that data a lot of it is more just more i saw this guy he looked really really good so when they come over to the states and they perform i feel like there's a lot uh, often scenarios and maybe it doesn't happen with the elite guys too too much but there's scenarios where the guys come over and we just don't it's not what the scouts described you know and i feel like that happens and it's one of the risks you take with some of these guys and maybe that's something with julio pablo martinez here i I don't want to jump to anything i obviously haven't looked into this too extensively but it's 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 tough because i haven't seen a ton of them but he's a guy that i'm obviously following and it's limited it's limited in terms of the actual looks you'll get to see even on tape there there really isn't any tape yet of him from this season that's been uploaded few and far between in terms of clips uh so you have to go off of what once again what people are kind of telling you and what yeah. they're saying, and then what the numbers are. But still, I think for the type, it, it, we're not talking about an 18-year-old kid here, you know, or true, even true. a 20-year-old kid. You know, he's 22 years old, and you know, Robert's I 20. Wanna, so yeah, yeah. I want to I want to see a guy like that come across, you know, come over and absolutely rake. Like he has to hit in the lower minors right off the bat and just overmatch these guys. If he's not showing that early on, it's a pretty big red flag, in my opinion. I know it's mm-hmm. a short sample. And I don't want to act like I'm overreacting, but not a great look. Well, absolutely not. No, I agree with you. It's, it'll be interesting to see a lot of these international guys going forward. My number two is another White Sox guy. I think I mentioned in not only two White Sox guys, back-to-back here. But Dylan Cease, another one, promoted up to Birmingham, double-A for the White Sox. He had 71 innings in Winston-Salem. I actually threw a lot. Um, so I think he's probably going to get up to like 150-plus possibly this year, which would be really impressive right around that window at least. His most recent outing, he went before his promotion. He went eight innings, four strikeouts, five hits, two walks, two earned. Uh, relatively good start in terms of just depth of the game. Um, 70 grade fastball, really good curveball, projecting out that change up a little bit. The big thing with him that I always come back to is, is kind of two things. The one thing I come back to is the fact that he's got a, a pretty big kick off his back leg, which I think limits some of his command projection. And I believe that's echoed in a lot of the grades I've seen on the, on the fact that it maybe will never get to average. But the thing that you also have is, is really, really good strikeout stuff that's played up at multiple levels and that I expect to play up in Birmingham and double A. So I think personally, in fantasy circles, you get a prospect who is going to have a very nice baseline of strikeouts 
regardless of whatever else happens. So he's going to be able to miss bats. Maybe he kicks up at the major league level and you're looking at like a, a four walks per nine that I hope can get down to like three, five, maybe, maybe if I really squint hard enough, three, two, five, three. But I think that that's like a, a really high outcome in terms of percentile. But I like Dylan Cease simply because that I, I think his stuff's going to play up at higher levels. I think it's going to play up well. I think he's going to miss a lot of bats. I think he's been one of those guys where it's just more of figuring out the command and maybe he never figures out the command. Cause again, I, I think that the, the, the kickoff his back leg, something he's been going with for a while. I was watching some tape of him back in the perfect game and he did the same thing. Um, I think it just limits some of that effectiveness. And you see this with a lot of guys. Like I was watching Mike Schwarin in the, in the Red Sox system. There's another guy who's got a pretty heavy kickoff his back leg. He's Maryland arm. I like him and I think he's got really good command, but I just think that limits him a little bit. And Cease has been one of those guys who kind of bucked the idea of that guys like that should go to the pen. But um, Cease's stuff is too good. And I think he obviously can go deep enough into games. So I like Cease personally. I don't know if I like him as like a top 40, 50 prospect like, but I think he's a really solid like 5,100 pitcher. I, I'd happily invest in him in a lot of dynasty leagues. And obviously I think his stock might be going up if he performs well in Birmingham. I bet he debuts next year. I think he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, the the – the White Sox really hope can kind of fill the holes of some of the other pitching prospects that they've that they've tinkered with that maybe haven't really produced. So I like Cease a bit. Um, I'm not sure. I think you're a little bit lower on him, Ralph. But I think we both kind of just, just we 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 both kind of like I, him. I, but uh, I like the I like the stuff. I like the idea yeah. of Cease. I don't like the idea of owning Cease in a lot of dynasty leagues, just because you know there is a lot of risk with this guy. I mean, he's constantly injured. Sure. And at times, I mean, he'll just absolutely breeze through like the the lineup the first time through, or you know, first two times, and it's like, you know, he gets he gets around in that third time where he gets that second look sometimes, and guys, yeah, and, it's the change of problem. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I think they they sort of square up some of the stuff. So mm-hmm. um, that's fair. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's a major league starter. Like I, I don't yeah, question yeah. that. As long as he stays healthy enough, he's going to be in the big leagues within a couple of years. So there's absolutely. no question for me there guy who won't be in the big leagues in a couple of years is my number two. That is a little bit of a nod to your favorite team, Lance. And that would be yes. Nolan Gorman, Nolan oh, yeah. Gorman, who was a first round pick of your team in 2018. He homered in his first game with Johnson city of wow. uh, the app, the, of the Appy league. So they they sent him to advanced rookie ball. That's always a good sign. Like to see that. It's what they did with, uh, what the twins did with Alex Kirilov and he won the MVP of the league. Now, the second game wasn't so good. He's only played two games thus far. He's one for eight <laughs> in his two games, but he's got a homer. Hey, also that's struck, all that matters. <laughs> he's also struck out three times in his mouth. Ah. But I think we all expected this to sort of be the case, yes. especially early on with Nolan, Nolan Gorman. Really cool to see him uh, hit a homer. Once all these guys start to sign, and we start to see all the different you know, first, second, third round, fourth round picks that we sort of are familiar with in terms of name value. These guys start to sign. They get assigned to... Uh, short season or, uh, you know, you know, I guess advanced rookie ball. And, you mm-hmm. know, we start to see them against professional pitching. It's going to be interesting. You know, the, they're going to fill up a lot of our five by fives. I feel, I know Absolutely. he's almost going to go with Travis Swaggerty who hasn't done anything yet. I was going to go with Bohm. He tripled, yeah. I think in his first at bat. Yeah. yeah. But same with Bohm. I think he had like, he was two for six, you know, but yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Gorman's a little bit more interesting just because we're probably going to be talking about Bohm and some of those other guys that they have performances where yep. Gorman, it may be a little bit up and down because he's, uh, uh, you know, a young 18 year old. He only turned 18 on May 10th, you know? So we sort of forget how young these guys are, you know? So anything you wanted to add on Gorman before, uh, you jump into, uh, your number three. 
Uh, just very quickly, I'm interested to see what level he gets up to because State College is actually the, the next level up. That's in the Penn League. And then, so there's obviously maybe an outside chance you see him. Then if he jumps above that, he can get to Med West League, which I doubt. I bet they keep him probably. I, I'd love to see him if he could get to uh, if he could get to State College by the end of the year and then start in, in Med West League ball. I think that'd be fantastic for a high school bat. But Peoria is, is obviously their A-ball team. So there's a chance that if he's up there next year, early next year, I'll definitely go out and see him and uh, obviously going to very pay a ton of close attention to Cardinal prospects. So Gorman, I liked a lot. I was very, very happy the Cardinals took him. That was kind of a, one of those things where I, I liked him a ton and I was very happy. So um, uh, an aligning of my fandom and my uh, prospect loves, I guess you could say there. So, uh, so love Gorman for sure. I also really like Mackenzie Goro. I mentioned very briefly that I might be seeing this weekend. Um, he's had two starts now and he's, Pitched pretty well in both of them. Seems to be setting in a little bit. They seem to be very, very cautious with this pitch count. I don't know if it's more of a pitch count thing or an innings thing. He went three innings. His most recent start, one hit, five strikeouts, 39 pitches, 28 of those for strikes. That was his most recent start. He mowed through three innings and striking out five guys with only 39 pitches. His last start before that, he went two innings, one walk, three strikeouts. Um, that was on the 10th of June, so a little bit spaced out in terms of uh, his starts here. In that start, he threw 36 pitches. So I'm not really sure in terms of whether the, the, he's on a pitch count or an innings count. If he pitches Saturday, I'd really like to see him try to go four. I really would hate to go out there and make, like I think it's like a three-and-a-half-hour drive, make that drive and then only see him go like an inning or two. That would be a little bit of a bummer. But, I mean, regardless, I really want to see how he works, and I want to see his mix of pitches and how he's mixing. I'll try to chart him. I think that the Fort Wayne gun out there is pretty good. When I was out there seeing Marejo, and I think it was pretty solid. It's a new stadium. So I'm going to put a little more trust in that than I have in some of the other guns that I've that I've been around, uh, like the South Bend one and stuff in terms of looking at Hunter Green. But, yeah, Mackenzie Gore, I mean, I'm just, again, another – one of these just bonkers athletic high school guys, high school arms that I think I think I'm coming around on the idea that in the future we look back and go, you know, maybe we were a little bit too low on a lot of these high school arms, even with the track records, even with the track records of some of these high school righties. I I don't know. I find myself getting wooed by some of them, which might be an issue, but uh, I guess so be it. Maybe not in fantasy leagues. Again, I'll always come back to the side of fantasy leagues and the fact that you probably should invest in high school arms because it's like a four or five year investment and they might not really turn out to the expectations that you want them to. I would much rather invest in bats, but um, in the general sense and in the, in the general prospect love sense, I think I like some of these high school arms that we're looking at most recently. Um, so Ralph, your uh, third is a uh, 80 grade name here. Why don't you, why don't yes. you disclose them to the world? That would be uh, Brock Detheridge, of, uh, formerly of NC State fame. He is a 10th round pick of the Detroit Tigers, and he is one of the buzzier names right now. In the Gulf Coast League, he has four homers through his first nine at-bats. That's right, four homers oh, through his first nine at-bats. Had a really good season at NC State. I've seen you know, like, like a clip of one of the homers. Guy absolutely mashed this ball. NC State this year in 61 games, he slashed. Uh, 307, 397, 548 with uh, 14 homers and 18 steals. Strikes out quite a bit, though. He walked 10% of the time and struck out 28% of the time. He was a 29th round pick because he was actually a college senior that was drafted in the 10th round. After his junior season, he was drafted in the 29th round last season by the Pittsburgh Pirates. So he was a two-time draft guy. Signed, obviously, this year uh, after his senior year at NC State. I guess he boosted his draft stock a little bit, maybe won himself a few more dollars, but he had a great pro debut. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the swing. I, you know, I don't know if this guy's going to be a huge breakout, but he's a really nice story right now. One of the things he has going for him, he's a power bat from the left side, which is going to boost him a little bit. And he's not necessarily first base only He plays some outfield. So um, I'm definitely interested to see what we get from this death Ridge guy. 
Absolutely. I can't say I looked at too much tape. I think most of the tape that I no. did see was from two years ago. So I don't yeah. know if I want to baseline myself off that. So I'd rather uh, yeah. defer and go back to it in the future. And I know nothing about him. I know nothing about him defensively. I know about him as I, I've seen mm. him hit. I know nothing about him defensively. If you check him out on Twitter, there's a couple of clips of some of his homers. I love it. I love it. Let's jump to my number four is Alex Fajardo. Another one we mentioned. Obviously, we're kind of just regurgitating some of the guys that got promoted, but that's because they're interesting, and that's because there were some all-star breaks. So uh, promoted to Erie, which means he's on the Eastern League, which might Ralph maybe sinks up and gets a look sometime soon, which would be awesome. Uh, Emily Walden, obviously a big fan. Uh, we're both big fans of her. Really, really nice um, writer for the Athletic Detroit, I believe, and she did some stuff for John Sickles in the past, minorleagueball.com, and I really love all of her coverage. And I was actually going to meet her former, at the Midwest League. Guest. Former guest, yeah. I was actually going to meet her at the Midwest League All-Star Game, but she ended up being sick, so I hope she's feeling better. But um, obviously, she's been covering Fido beautifully, so definitely give her a follow. Uh, probably at, I think she's at Emily Walden, or is she at Emily C. Walden? I'm not sure. i got to check that out and make sure I get that right before I endorse yeah. her. But uh, <laughs> six innings pitch, seven strikeouts, two hits, two earned runs, two walks for Fido in his... St- um, that was his debut in double A, I believe, actually. So, again, really impressive there. He's a guy I believe always had some injury risk. I think he had a double knee replacement. Pretty funky on the mechanics side of things. Another Florida Army pitched with A.J. Puck. Pitched with uh, Brady Singer, I believe, too. So, um, and I believe I was actually looking at 2019. There's another guy who is another Florida Army. I think he's kind of projected in that top first round. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. But Florida just pumps out pitchers. And Fida was one of them. Um, disgusting slider, really good fastball. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of projected it and made him kind of this future potential closer, especially with all his injuries concerns. They weren't sure how deep he could go into the games and whether he could string together extended starts. But it seems like he's been doing pretty well, honestly. I've been pretty encouraged. And my kind of theory that I want to bring up with him was just that if you're the Detroit Tigers, I don't see any reason in the world why you would immediately bring him to the pen. He just seems like one of those guys that I would just try to run out there as many times as possible as a starter, yeah. really try to fix that for as long as possible and just end up like at the end of the day. Because their timetable is more probably three, four years down the road, I would bet, which seems a little weird just because they have Casey Mice who's going to fly through the system and a couple other guys who I think can move pretty quick. But just in terms of their eventual timetable, wouldn't be shocked if it's a couple years off, especially as this year they're not obviously the greatest of teams. They'll probably have another top 10 pick or so. Um, but I'm yeah, uh, Fajardo looks great. And I mean, I, I like this idea of their, their running with. And I also think the Tigers have kind of a sneaky, sneaky prospect core of arms here with Bo Burrows, Matt Manning, they have Fido, and obviously they added Mize. And I'm sure, oh, Franklin Perez is another one. Obviously he's injured coming back, but yeah, Tigers obviously building off pitching, which is unlike some of the other teams we've seen build off hitting. So obviously some divergent strategies among minor league teams and among some of the scouting directors making a lot of these picks in the drafts. But uh, Fido was one to keep an eye on for sure, and I like this promotion to Erie. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I'm excited to see what Fido can do. And uh, like I said, he was good in his debut. I think know you mentioned yeah. it. It's Emily C. Walden, by the way. I didn't want to uh, cut it. you off, but. Yep, there we go. Emily at Emily C. Walden. She's the best when it comes to Tigers prospects. Absolutely. And Jason's Jason's done a good job when uh, you know he's down in Lakeland getting some good looks on Fiedo as well, yep. and sort of you know really uh, driving the bus and saying this guy is you know better than you think. There's maybe some things he needs to work on, but the stuff is there. This guy can pitch. So I'm excited to see what he does against some Double A competition. Potentially, it'd be great to see him. I'm gonna have to check schedule. Like I said again, I haven't had any time on air. But uh, I should probably do that in the next like 10 minutes before we, we sign off. But <laughs> I want to I want to see if he's going to be in Manchester. Cause it'd be great to see him against that lineup in particular, especially oh, if Vlad yeah. is back. Like that's such a good test. And we haven't seen that lineup against like a great pitching prospect. I mean, Very Dylan true. Tate was pretty good, but Fado was better. Sorry. That's my opinion. And yeah, I agree uh, I'm excited to see what he does. Then my number four is a name that everyone knows very well. That's Nick Senzel. I was, ex- I was excited to uh, talk about him tonight because he hit two homers 
And anytime you hit two homers, you're going to force your way into my five by five. And I'm checking Twitter as I'm thinking about who's the last guy I should talk about, blah, 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 thinking this and that. And then I, all of a sudden it came to me. Oh, Nick Senzel had two homers. He's got three in his last five or six games. Uh, you know, he's, he's hitting four Oh nine of late. Um, that's, that's over his last 10. Like I said, with the three homers, 11 RBIs over that period as well. Uh, he's got nine strikeouts to two walks though, which isn't a great look, but the numbers on the whole for the season look good. 310, 378, 509. Um, I know you got some looks on him. I think we talked about him a little bit last week, but he's a guy that's knocking the door at this point. And there's an opportunity due to injury or something in that, uh, that Cincinnati infield. It wouldn't shock me if we see him in July or August, so we can get some major league time, especially if maybe the trade takes place and they move, you know, not they're necessarily going to move Suarez or something like that. I don't think they necessarily should, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that maybe somebody wows him with a good package and Senzel finds his way in the major leagues. I think we will see him this year in the majors. I agree. And I'm very, very excited for that. I really, really like this kid's hit tool. Uh, yeah, I was just looking at his game log actually, Ralph. It's a really weird one. Last 10 games, he has eight multi-hit games actually, which yeah. is unbelievable. But then he has this weird two game stretch and uh, looks like, over the weekend, last weekend, I believe, where he strikes out six times in two games across 10 at-bats, which just seems insane. And then the rest of it is, is basically clean. He only has three strikeouts in the rest of those seven games. So I don't know who he was facing. Looks like he was in Detroit for these games in AAA. So I don't know what was going on there in Toledo, but uh, he obviously had some issues, but then he hits two home runs. So, you know, it looks like maybe the symptoms of vertigo were kicking out of him. His hit tool is unbelievable. I still can't get over that swing that I saw. I really, really am high on him. I'm a big fan. I'm actually going to try to acquire him possibly in, in CBS's NL Only League, which I know I'm in with Gray, that I'm not not doing too admirably in defense of my title, but uh, I know Gray's right up there. So as long as we can pass it between the Rasball people, uh, that title, I would be very happy if Gray wins that. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna try to acquire Sinzel because I, I think that he's going to be a nice piece when he gets called up. And uh, I think he's one of those guys who isn't going to struggle at all to immediately apply his talents to the major league level. Um, my number five, Shane Boz. Shane Boz, not Baz, Boz, is, uh, actually made his debut um, for 2018. He stayed in rookie ball out in Bristol, which I thought was relatively interesting. I think we talked about this, this very lightly, possibly in the last pod. Maybe it was off air. But uh, they seem like they're being relatively cautious with him, which, again, high school writing, not really surprised there. But um, the command thing is still an issue. Um, but he went five innings, which I thought was relatively encouraging four hits three walks and a strikeout isn't really what i like to see and i also really don't like to see the fact that he had two wild pitches i can't give any color on where those wild pitches were and how poor they were but uh just really not the greatest in terms of that um the command here is is definitely below average it's more like 30 grade command from what i've been reading maybe if you really want to give it like a 35 and just confuse everyone that you i don't know but just give him a 30 for now project out to be kind of below average as well but the stuff is legit with him which hasn't really played up obviously with one strikeout over five innings and three walks but um he's he's a big investment piece for pittsburgh and they've developed pitching relatively well between tyone uh kingham keller obviously and, and none of these guys have you know become what garrett cole has become on the astros but I, I just feel like they do a relatively good job of advancing some of these guys and even just getting some talent out of them, which, again, makes me a little more confident maybe they could do that with Boz. But it is going to be, again, a big of an investment here, and he's got poor command. Um, and his delivery, I think, is a little bit funky. He's got a really, really stiff front leg if you watch him in terms of how he kind of brings his torso over and towards the plate. It's really it's, – it's weird. I don't know if it's mechanically poor, I would say. I, I don't think it's a massive, massive concern, but it – I, I like the fact that he's got an active front leg in terms of how he's propelling that weight forward, but possibly maybe that's hurting some of his command. Maybe you should get him a little more extended out, like a guy like Jack Flaherty who extends really well. We'd really like to see that. Um, he's got an athletic build, and I know he's an athletic kid, so maybe that happens with Boz. Um, Ralph, you were number five to close out the show. 
My number five is Griffin Canning, another guy that I didn't mention. He was recently promoted to triple A. He, in his debut, went four innings, allowed two hits, walked three, struck out six. I love this kid's curveball. Not a ton of overpowering stuff. He's got a big, loopy curveball. Things drops 12-6. Take a look. You could probably find a nice gif of it from tonight. Uh, it, the thing just is filthy. Drops down. I love that pitch. Um, it's much better than it gets graded. Got a decent changeup as well. I think has some good projection. Uh, velocity's ticked up a little bit in pro ball. You know, he's not sitting like low 80s. I think it's it's more like, you know, mid-90s, 92 to 94. Um, and he also mixes in the slider as well. Got kind of a funky delivery. He's a guy that uh, pitched big-time college ball at UCLA. Had some hype, but uh, I think there were some some people that uh, were a little bit apprehensive with him because he had a bit of an injury track record, some stuff that came up in the medicals that wasn't great. But I know if you look at, you know, some of the scouting reports that are out there, they talk about him mixing in a four-seamer with a two-seamer, you know, a cutter, um, you know, g- you know, good ath- athleticism that this kid shows. So, I mean, he's a good player, and uh, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. He's not all that far from the major leagues, and he's moved very, very quickly. Um, maybe this is a name that we all sort of overlooked, and all he's done this season is just pitch his brains out, you know, and he was assigned to, I think high a out of, out of the gate and he's climbed that many levels and it's only, you know, June 22nd. So there's a good shot that he does, especially with some of the injury history of the guys, in the angels, uh, rotation and the fact they're chasing a playoff spot. It wouldn't shock me if we see Griffin canning this year. And I, I'm going to correct me if I'm wrong here, Ralph, would he be the first 2017 guy to debut or someone else debut that I'm missing? Because um, Canning went, I, I want to also say Billy Epler's drafting has been fantastic uh-huh. of late. I mean, 47 overall, overall with Canning out of UCLA, as you mentioned, in round two. I think he's the first one to debut. I could be wrong on this, but I'm going through the names that I see, a lot of names that I don't believe are in the upper levels of the minors. So, I mean, if anyone had mo- their money on Griffin Canning being the first guy of the 2017 class to debut, you're going to yeah, have I a nice so. payout. So uh, that's impressive if they could get him up quick and have a return on a second-round guy like that. Even if the ceiling's not too high, the floor's there. I, I think we've both kind of been, you know, fans of Griffin Canning in terms of what he can do in terms of that value. And, man, AAA already is very, very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, kind of excited to mention him. I think we've maybe not talked about him as much considering yeah. what he's been doing this year. So, yeah, he's one of those guys, though. I don't think he's the most exciting profile. But in dynasty leagues where, you know, pitching is important, he is a guy that uh, is a good depth piece that might play out and. You know, it's one of those things that once the rubber meets the road, we actually see these guys pitch and they do so well. And every time they're challenged, they, they rise to the challenge and look like they're too good for the level. That's pretty impressive. We don't see that very often. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, like I said, I think it's so tough with pitching because there's so much that can go wrong. He can get hurt tomorrow and it can totally throw him off track for like a year, you know? Yeah. And that's, no, that's right. what's whack. I don't and I don't feel it's the same way with hitters, you know? Guys don't get so far off track and have to sort of rework stuff as frequently. Now, there's certain mm-hmm. things you got to work on, but it's it's usually much smaller and not you know big mechanical changes or switching up a pitch or hey, this worked at the lower levels, but it doesn't work anymore. So, Canning is a really interesting guy, and uh, I think in dynasty leagues, even in deep redraft leagues, where you know maybe you can stash like an arm, like in a head-to-head league or something like that, and there's like no pitching available. Canning might be a guy that I might grab now before the, the before the wave because if he pitches well the next two starts goes a little bit deeper into the games it wouldn't shock me if he ends up in uh, Anaheim. 
Absolutely, yeah. They called up Jimmy Barry, I, I know, too. So they've been rolling out some some random guys with the injuries they've had. He's been good, too. And such, so. Yeah, yeah. Angels doing well. Props to the Angels. Props to you, Ralph, for amazing podcast, Cape Cod League Insights. And as <laughs> always, yeah, it's been fun, man. Same always fun. Yeah, it's good. And I like the fact that we're getting tons of looks at all these different We leagues. are, which is yeah, awesome. Like, yeah, and we got like a network of people that we're talking to with the two Jasons, Matt, and everybody else is yep. getting tons of different looks at games. So it's cool. We got a lot more stuff we're going to roll out and uh, another great week here on the Razball Prospect Podcast. Anything you want to say to the people, Lance, before we sign off? Have a, have a lovely weekend. That's all I want to say, Ralph. Take it easy, everybody. Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232.